This series, I'll let you know it's going to be four weeks because there's four chapters. We're going to take a chapter a week. And if you didn't get a chance to read chapter one before today, we encourage you to read chapter two for next week. And then guess what's after that? Chapter three, yeah, and then chapter four. So uh, you want to make sure you do that. And, and I would encourage you, do this as, as a family. For those parents who, who have kids still living at home, you know, or if you have kids that weren't still living at home, um, just gather around your family and y'all read together um, uh, this, um, this passage. And so, and even if you didn't read chapter one before you came today, you can read it sometime tonight. So uh, Philippians, let's talk a little bit about the... Um, uh, the background of Philippians is uh, Philippians is a is actually a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church at Philippi. Now, the church of Philippi is actually uh, the first church that's planted in Europe, the first European church, first church of Europe. It's awesome, and uh, Paul actually planted that. In fact, you can actually go read about that in Acts chapter sixteen. So, if you want further study. Uh, you can go to Acts chapter 16, read about that, about how Paul met various people in the community like Lydia and the slave girl and, and the, and the uh, soldier and, and uh, the prison guard. And, and those people really kind of helped form the basis for the church at Philippi. Well, Paul, flash for, uh, fast forward to 12 years down the road, Paul, 12 years later, is in prison. In Rome, and he is writing this letter, and he is writing this letter for an encouragement to the church that he planted there in in, uh, in Greece. And so, just like imagine this, I mean, I I planted along with several people Lake Point Church about six years ago. So imagine if you know many years from now. You know, and of course, I, I see myself here forever because, I, you know, I planted this as kind of like something that gave birth. But just imagine if, if several years from now, I have to, I've gone and I have to write a letter. I'm writing a letter that is dear to my heart because it's my Lake Point Church family. It's, it's almost my blood in, in Christ. And so my brothers and sisters, I would pour out my heart and I would... Uh, and I would encourage you in the faith. And that is exactly what Paul is doing here to the letter um, of Philippians. And so, uh, why Philippians? Well, this letter is, um, is packed with, um, with lots of things that you can use in your life. And the biggest thing that I, the biggest takeaway I get from Philippians is that it, it provides uh, joy. It provides us a way for you and I to live with joy in our life. Um, even in the midst of tragedy, even when things are just going bad in your life, um, we can still live with joy. Now, you may be sitting here and saying, Frank, how can you say that I can live with joy when I'm facing so, such and such issue in my life? You know, I don't, I don't really have the power to get that to you, but I know someone who does. I know someone who does. And Jesus can, through the Holy Spirit, can give you the ability to walk in, in, in joy and no matter what is happening around you. I know it seems impossible, but the book of Philippians will actually help us to do that. And, um, and so today, I want us to focus on how to live a life worthy of the gospel. 
just like a coach of a championship football team. A coach is going to um, tell his players, look, we are a championship team, and if you're going to be on my championship team, I need you to play like a champion. I need you to practice like a champion. I need you to prove you're worthy to be on my team. And so, as Christians, as believers, if you are, if you are someone who has accepted Christ as Savior at, at some point in your life, if you're here today, if you're a believer, then we need to walk Our life needs to be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, worthy of wearing the Jesus jersey. Now, understand this. Salvation is free. That's free. Salvation is a free gift. We get that. Okay? You don't have to do anything to accept the salvation, the free gift of Jesus Christ. But it's after that is where the work work comes in. It's after that when the work comes in. In salvation is free, but living for Jesus will cost you. It will cost you. It would cost. It could cost you popularity. It could. It could cost you friendship. It could cost you for not doing the things that you desire. There is a cost in following Jesus. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot have just. I'm just going to accept Jesus as free salvation, and that's it. You, you, we have to live for him. Our life needs to be worthy of the gospel, and it is going to be a lot of sweat behind it, just like a football team. You can, it's free to sign up for the football team. Coach, I want to I be part of the team. Great. Here's your jersey. Here's your pads. Here's your locker. I give you all this stuff. That's how God does. Here's the word of God. Here's a church. Here's people who can pray for you. Okay? Welcome to the team. And if the person gets out there and they put all this stuff on and they're just sitting on the bleachers and they're like, you know, this is pretty tough stuff. I don't think I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm just going to sit on the bleachers. Coach is going to be like, uh-uh, you're going to be on my team. We need you to be worthy of being on my team. So, so what Paul is saying is this, our life needs to be worthy of, of wearing the Jesus jersey. Now, you're going to mess up. Just like a football player is going to mess up plays. They're going to mess up, okay? Coach instructs. It will help them. It will help the team. Same way with Jesus. And the church will help you. So, but the first part is easy, accepting Christ. The second part is difficult, especially in our culture. Because there's, there's, there's powerful forces of darkness in our cultures trying their best to overshadow the light of Christ, The enemy is attempting right now, right now, House of Representatives just passed a bill, it's got to go to the Senate, but the enemy is attempting to make it wrong and even illegal to speak in opposition to lifestyles contrary to God's word, okay? So they're they're, they're doing things right now to make and set up the point to where as a church and as believers, we ultimately, down the road, will not be able to speak against things that the Bible speaks of, that are against God's word. And so right now, the power of darkness is is doing their best. 
And now understand this, this is not a political thing. This is all spiritual. It's spiritual. And because of that, we, we have got to, to be worthy. Our life's got to be worthy. We've got to stand up. And there will be opposition. I'll share that with you a little bit later. But there's a black hole of, of fornication, sexual immorality, and confusion pulling us away, and especially our youth away from the truth. Society tells us people are brave for coming out of the closet, but mock the true bravery of those who are praying in their closet. It's hard to live a life worthy of following Christ when the values and truths that Jesus died for are being devalued on a daily basis. It's very difficult, church. You and I are in a position where we've got to have a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? And how do we do that in love? So as we get into Philippians, and we'll get into that, but as we get into Philippians, and we're gonna focus on uh, the whole chapter. So verses one through 11 is what we're gonna do first. But so imagine Paul the apostle sitting in, in prison with his sidekick, Timothy, and they, are, they, have, they have chains around their ankles. You know, they're probably sitting at a table and uh, maybe they're writing. Obviously, he's writing Philippians. And, and, uh, but they're in chains around their ankles. And we want to listen to Paul's words here because many scholars believe that this is Paul's last letter before he is executed by, um, by the Roman government. And so we want to listen to these words as, as, as if a parent of yours or maybe your grandparent is laying on their deathbed in their last final breaths and they're trying to tell you something. You're going to listen to that. You're going to listen to those words. Today, I encourage you to listen to these words. So as we open up Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 through um, 11, and as you're turning to that I'm going, to, um, I'm going to ask the Lord to bless his holy word as we dive into it. Pray with us. Heavenly Father, Lord, these are my words. These are your words inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe every single word that's in this book. And in this uh, chapter, I ask you, Lord, that these words jump off the page and in the hearts and minds of people here today, including myself. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So first 11 verses, Paul and Timothy, servants of, G of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's basically a thanksgiving that he is doing. Then he goes... Um, in introduction, and then he's giving more thanks. Verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. 
God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to share a prayer that he is praying in verse nine. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to his glory and praise of God. Key verse I want us to go to, right there in verse six. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God wants to finish what he started. God wants to finish what he started in you. Think of a time when God, you felt like God was speaking to your heart. That still small voice, maybe he was speaking through his word, through other people, the church. And you felt like God was telling you to do something, to obey in some sort of way. Or maybe you can think of the time where God, God knocked on the door of your heart and you answered that call, you opened the door of your heart, he came in and that calling was real. Maybe you cried tears of joy, whatever it was. That calling on your life, can I tell you something? It's still there. It's still there. God's calling, whatever the calling is, it is still there. And he wants to complete it in you. Well, Frank, he didn't want to complete anything in me. All the bad things I've done, yes, he does. He knows what you've done. He, he's a God of justice, but he's also a God of grace and mercy, and he understands. And so he, he wants to complete what he started in you. I don't want you to forget that. Some of you need to hear that today. You think God may have, may have given up on you. That is a lie from the pit of hell, and God wants to finish what he started in you. Look to the person on your left and right, say this, God wants to finish what he started. Okay, do it again, next person. God wants to finish what he started. Excellent, excellent. So why was Paul confident that, he, that God was gonna complete the work that he started at the church of Philippi, okay? This is 12 years, 12 years from when he started the church. Why is he confident? Because he prayed for them. As we see that prayer in, uh, in verse nine, he prayed for them, and he had thoughts of joy. Every time he thought about them, he had t- thoughts of joy. You know, when I was reading this and studying this passage, I can only think, uh, really as a parent in this, and that we want God's work to be completed in our kids. We do. Whether your kids are still with you or they've grown and, and maybe they have kids of their own, you desire God's work to be completed in your children. I know you do. As parents, if you don't have kids yet, you will. And, and, and you want God to, to complete that work. Can I tell you something? You know how you can help that to happen? You can pray for them. The model prayer is right here in verse 9. There's three things you can pray for. Paul lays it out. Verse 9, 10, and 11. And I'm serious. You could do this. 
I'm going to use one of my sons. He's not here today, Landon. He just graduated from high school, about to start college. So you can see why I'm praying for that guy. Love Landon. But just if you go back to verse 9. Verse 9, instead of saying exactly what's there, you could say, I would say something like this. And this is my prayer, that Landon's love for God may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. What a powerful prayer. Verse 10, here's the second part of that prayer. I pray that Landon may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's powerful. In verse 11, I pray that Landon will be filled with the fruit of a righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let me tell you what, mom and dad, you don't know what to pray for with the kids? You just pray that. You pray that every day. Philippians 1, 9, 10, 11, it's right there. Just plug your kid's name. And believe by faith. And that's how Paul knew. Paul had faith because he prayed for them. That's how we knew that God was going to complete the work in the church. So this next section in Philippians, as we go on, we're going to start at verse 12. We're going to go from verse 12 to 26. It describes how Paul's chains are actually advancing the gospel message in Rome and beyond. So in, um, in verse 12 through 26, Let's go ahead and read that now. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now remember, he's in prison in chains. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I, put, uh, I am put here for defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is this is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out from my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be a exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, then, I will, then this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, amen, but it is more necessarily for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Now, 
Paul is in chains. Now, we sang songs about chains this morning. How the power of God can break every chain. And there are chains of, of, of addiction, chains of sin, things of negative thoughts. I mean, there's all kinds of chains. You may feel like you're bound by chains and that you need the power of God to, to release you from that. Absolutely. But I want to introduce to you today or talk about something today that I've never thought about before. And I've never, I've never shared this with anybody. I've never preached this. But I want to talk to you about the chains of Jesus. We call it the Jesus chains. The Jesus chains. The chains that Paul was wearing. You see, when you truly live your life for Christ, you will be unable to move in the direction that this world wants to take you because you have Jesus chains. Your flesh wants to go there, but your spirit says no and binds you in spiritual chains to stop you from ruining your life. See, Paul is saying his chains is actually a good thing. His chains are advancing the gospel. We just read that. Yes, there are negative chains, chains of addiction, chains of sin, but then there are Jesus chains that, bring a, that, that keep us closer to him and allow us not to ruin our life. And in the process, when we are bound by Jesus chains, we can spread the gospel. Holy marriages, godly business practices, and students on fire for the Lord are just a few examples of people living in Jesus' chains. From the outside, it would look as though you have a boring life or that maybe you have social issues. Some people will say that you're not living up because you're trapped. But according to Paul's experience, your chains will advance the gospel as a result. How? How does a Jesus chains advance the gospel? How does you, how, how is it that you being chained by a godly marriage, by surrounding yourself with Christian friends, by people who will spur you on, by, by you not wandering too far, how is that spreading the gospel? There's three ways, and it's right here in Scripture. In fact, we just read it. Go to verse 13. Verse 13, it says this. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Your chains are about his name. Your chains are about his name. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. This is not about you living a boring or wimpy life. 
This is about you making a decision to follow Christ as Savior. And you are in chains because of Jesus, and people will eventually see that. They may not verbalize it, but trust me, they know. So, students, you're, you're in middle school, you're in high school, and you choose not to do certain things. You choose not to follow the crowd. Why? Because of your relationship to Christ, if you truly do that. If you are truly bound by the Jesus chains, then you will not do the same things that people in middle school and high school do. And people will know that, just like the guards knew. The guards found out, the guards knew, and it spread. Paul's in prison, not because of Paul. He's in prison because of Jesus. Students, you're, you're not making those decisions because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And everyone knows that. It's okay. They may not verbalize it, but they know. We see it in other areas in our life. We see it in business practices and companies like Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. For example, they choose not to be open on Sunday. Why? To honor the Lord, period. That's why. Our culture and media won't say it. Oh, but they know it. They know that these companies don't open on Sunday. Why? To honor the Lord. And so you live your life in the chains of Christ. People are going to know about it. And that's fine. And then they're going to know that it's because of Jesus. Eventually, they will know. Second thing, we're going to find this in verse 14. Verse 14, it says this, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So the first is your chains are about his name. The second is your chains will encourage change. Your chains will encourage change. It will encourage change and empower believers to keep that change. For example, your godly marriage is encouraging others. They may want what you and your spouse have. Students, your strong stand to be abstinent, to, to, to not involved in, in intercourse with someone else before marriage is encouraging other people, especially believers. They will not come to you and say that, most likely. Most likely, but trust me, your life, if it's truly bound by the Jesus chains, your life is encouraging other believers. You may feel trapped in your Jesus chains, unable to, to, to do the things your flesh desires, but your chains are actually spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, church, everyone here today, I want to encourage you to stay the course. Stay the course. I know you're having to say no a lot. I know that you are, you have desires that you don't, 
you want to fulfill, but you're not doing that because you want to honor Jesus with your life. You want to have a life worthy of the gospel. I want to encourage you. You are inspiring and encouraging other people to walk in their faith. They know it, they see it, and they want it. They want what you have. If it's real Jesus, they want it. We are the salt, we are the light. Salt makes you thirsty. Light dispels the darkness. People are drawn to you because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. So your chains are about his name. Your chains will encourage change. And the third one we find in verse 20, 21, it says this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So your chains will bring no shame. Your chains will bring no shame. The longer you're in those Jesus chains, the more confident and boldness you will have. You will eventually not feel the need to apologize for your standards of living for Jesus. And let me tell you, church, never apologize for, for living the standards that Jesus set forth before you. Never apologize. The world does not understand. They don't. Never apologize for believing in something in this book. Blame the book. I do that all the time. Trust me, the book can handle it. You believe that stuff? Um, yeah. Why do you believe, why did you come up with that? I, I, I didn't. The Bible, it's in God's word. I, I, didn't, I didn't write it. Nowhere is my name in here, except frankincense is in here. But other than that, my name's not in here. And so, God's word, I blame God's word all the time. I didn't write it, God wrote it. Through the Holy Spirit, through lots of other authors and writers. None of this, none of this was written by Jesus in his own writing. None of it. There's other people who wrote it. I, you know, sometimes I wish that Jesus would have written a book by, by hand and just said, my life. Well, he did. It's called the Bible. This whole thing is about Jesus. It all points to Christ. And our life should always point to Christ. And we should never apologize for living for Jesus. The more that you are in the chains that Jesus has put you in, you will not be ashamed. You should not be ashamed for calling yourself a Christian. Your confidence will be so strong that you will believe dying with Jesus, chains, will bring more gain to the cause of Christ. Even if you die, people will be drawn to live your life. 
Not long ago, Suzanne and I, this past month in June, we got a chance to go visit the Billy Graham Museum in North Carolina. I highly recommend you to visit the Billy Graham Museum. Um, it's free. The gospel is presented. Um, in fact, I don't know the number, but thousands and thousands of people have, have been saved, have been um, have um, asked Jesus Christ in their life at that museum than, than any of his crusades. And it just keeps going on. And, but what I love about the museum is that it's not really about Billy Graham's life. It's about what Jesus did through Billy Graham. You see, Billy Graham was unapologetic about his life. He knew where he stood and he knew what he needed to do. There's a story <laughs> I love to tell this one time where Billy Graham was in a city somewhere in a crusade, and his team, they, they get there a few days early, and they spend lots of time in prayer. In fact, uh, several weeks early, they have different people and teams in prayer just covering the city. And, and, and Billy, uh, Billy Graham made, made it very clear that the hotel take the TVs out of the rooms of everyone who's part of his, his team, his team of pastors and, and leaders that are part of his crusades. In this one particular city, in this one particular hotel, they walk in and the, the guest of the hotel opens the door and said, Mr. Graham, here's your room. And he looks and sees a TV there. And he says, sir, there's a TV in my room. I specifically ask you, that it be removed. We said, Mr. Bill, Mr. Billy Graham, we're, we're really sorry about that, but this, this TV, it's, it's, you know, the cable line is, is plugged into, you can't unscrew it, it's actually, actually into the TV and into the wall, and we really can't remove it. Billy Graham set his luggage down, walked over to the TV, looked at the cable, yanked it, the cable, out of the wall, from, from the side of the wall, pulled it up, plaster was going everywhere, went across the wall and pulled so hard that it came out of the wall and did a lot of damage. He took that cable, wrapped it around the TV, pushed that TV out in the hallway, and it says, bill me for the damage. Now, he's unapologetic. You may say, well, that's rude. No, he's, he's protecting his chains. He's protecting his chains, the Jesus chains. Now, I'm not sitting here saying you can't watch TV. That was his conviction. But there are some things in your life you might need to, you might need to just rip out of the wall. You might need to unplug maybe friends or certain actions in your life that we just need to unplug, wrap it, and move it out of your life. If that's the case, you can live unapologetically. And I don't know if you know this, but Hollywood was trying to pull Billy Graham to be a movie star. They wanted him. Oh, Hollywood. He was charismatic, good-looking man. He, they wanted him. So, man, you could be a star. But he stayed with the Jesus chains. 
Washington was trying to pull Billy to be politics. Man, you could be a, an incredible politician. You could be president. You are so popular. You run next year. You could get it. But he stayed with the Jesus chains. You know, just this world is trying to pull us to be someone we're not. If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, if you want to live your life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to put those Jesus chains on and be proud of them. Be proud of them. And to know that they are advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ because your chains are all about his name. Your chains will encourage the change of others and your chains will bring about no shame. So when you understand that God has a calling on your life to be set apart as a holy trophy for his name, that he is faithful to complete what he has started in you, and that your life choices are bound in Jesus' chains, then your life will be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want your life worthy? Know this. What he started, he's going to complete. And know this. He's got chains. He's got chains for you. The Jesus chains. Don't be afraid of them. As we finish out this chapter, just a few verses, 27 through 30, it says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves as a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. You heard Paul say this. It's one thing to believe. It's a one thing to believe, it's another thing to suffer. In verse 29, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. If you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's great. But you gotta suffer for his name. You gotta take up the cross. You gotta live in those Jesus chains. Those are good chains. Those are good chains. And so you got to suffer for his name. Are you suffering for his chains? Do you suffer for Jesus? I use this illustration. It's like a couple who's wanting to get married. Couples make it more about the wedding than the marriage. Many of them do. They believe in the marriage, but they don't suffer for it. You may say, well, Frank, I suffer in my marriage. <laughs> my wife or my snoring husband, I suffer all the time. Huh? 
I don't mean those surface things. I mean you suffer for your marriage, which means you say no to some things that you know you should be, you should be looking at, talking about. You say no to those things. And that is suffering for, the, for Christ. That is living your life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believing and suffering. And that's just one example. One example. So, I just, I just want to encourage you this morning. You're going to be opposed. He shared that in the last couple of verses. You will be opposed by this world. Church, we are going to be opposed by this world. But we will not back down. And see, this is why you need to be a part of a church. You need to be part of a church to where when, when this world is, 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 is at you and, and trying to pull you away, trying to pull your kids and your, and, your, and your students away or your husband and your wife away, when they're pulling away, you need to gather with the church and know that we're going to stand together, pray together. And so, y'all, you need to live a life worthy of the gospel. Have you made the decision to live your life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ.